Well, the South African Postal Service that is meant to be a key medium of communication, especially in rural and remote areas, has joined a growing list of state-owned entities relying on government bailouts to stay, to stay afloat. As of recent, uh, the utility has proposed major salary cuts. Experts are saying the entity is uh, bordering on bankruptcy and will eventually die. CEO Nomkita Mona joins us now to make sense of the current state of the utility fines itself. And thank you so much for your time, Nomkita. Of course, let's start off with the core functions of the post office because, as I mentioned, it's supposed to really be a significant pillar of the communications landscape in South Africa. But according to stats and to um, uh, complaints, it doesn't really seem that there's reliability of service in the post office. So what is the state of the post office looking like? Well, I think you're correct if you talk about the, the mandate of the post office. So the post office has a dual mandate. Really. One it is to make sure that there's universal access in this country um, to communications, to postal, etc. So um, that, that is the one area. But the second area is that we are supposed to be self-sufficient, meaning that we're supposed to be running ourselves as a business, even though we are doing this other mandate of ensuring that even in the rural areas, there is equal access or at least equitable access to uh, postal services. Now, because of that, um, it is an obligation that is imposed on us that um, we have to make sure that it doesn't matter where you are, um, and you are able to access postal services. So therefore, the government does have to fund that because that is government's mandate. It's making sure that all communities, all citizens do have access. Yeah, I understand that uh, the uh, responsibility the government does have to the post office, but I just want to take away the privilege of the post office uh, being a state-owned entity right now because, I mean, you do have cash flow issues where uh, when you do need the money, you can go to Treasury to ask for more money. So if the post office really were a private company, I shudder to think where it would have ended up. And you did say that with the dual mandate, there is a responsibility for the post office to be self-sufficient so what is the post office's value proposition right now as a business? Well, firstly, it's, it's universal access. I mean, no one else in this country has the kind of infrastructure and the reach that the post office has. You must also remember that governments also rely on access to the citizens on many of their entities. So the post office does that much more and much better than any other organization. In fact, what actually makes the post office more unique is the fact that the post office can thrive on its own. It does really not need to uh, rely on government grants all the time. And um, the only part that we need to emphasize is that that universal service obligation has to be funded by government. So that's a separate issue and currently it is. But the post office when run efficiently, run like a business, making sure that people deliver on time, etc., it can actually make money. You don't need to look too far. You need to look at the courier companies that have encroached into the space in the last however many years and that they are thriving. And seriously, that's what the post office should also be doing. Yeah. And I think the post office also has an additional um, benefit or advantage even over those companies because if we get government business, you know, you would never get the post office asking for a bailout ever again. 
I'm interested because, of course, it does have the advantage of universal access, especially when you're talking about access um, from remote areas, rural areas. But the post office really ever uh, hasn't really reached those targets, those delivery targets over the last few years. And I'd like to know what the core reason for that. Is it a case of government needs to prop in more money or is it an operational struggle within the post office? Yeah, I think I think the, the problem that we tend to, which I find having come to the post office uh, 20 months ago, is that uh, there is a tendency to tell the post office story and start with secondly. Nobody really goes back to where the genesis of the problem started because the problems of the post office are not new. Uh, firstly, the post office, the last time that it posted any um, profit was in 2004. Secondly, the South Africans will remember that protracted strike that the post office took so many years ago, that was actually the one that started to break the camel's back. Because since then, uh, you know, it became a downward, a downward spiral. So you take the strike and, and uh, having studied labor law and labor relations um, at some point in my life, I remember a, a visiting economist coming to our university and he made this point that nobody recovers from a strike. And it struck me at the time because I was trying to kind of wrap my mind around it. And when I look at the post office now, I can see that actually this economy, the post office itself has never really recovered from that strike. Then beyond the strike, we then had labor brokers in the country. And when they fell out of favor, the post office absorbed over 8,000 employees who were temporary workers with no work really for them to do, making it worse on an already bloated structure, adding people who had no work. So that was another, another challenge. Thirdly, we had a courier freight group, a company that was a division of the SA post office. When it fell into troubles and it was going to be going to liquidation, the post office absorbed 708 of those employees. Again, no work for them. They were not budgeted for, etc. So add on to those the fact that the economy changed, the sector changed, there's now digitalization, etc. And the post office did not pivot quickly enough to catch up with the changes. And therefore, we were watching when, while our uh, revenue was now declining, we've had over 50% decline in mail revenue, also in mail volumes, but we've kept our employment numbers constant. That is a recipe for disaster. And then COVID came, it put the last nail in the coffin. Lots to unpack there, Nomkita. But of course, we lay out all the challenges, but really what's most important is the where to from here. How do we change that? Something that you say started in 2014, um, in 2004, that has actually just been exacerbated. Where do you start then uh, clearing out the rot? We've actually already started. So the focus that I had, one of the things that is very clear for us is that we have very high costs. 
for our business. So it was important for us to use a strategy that would start with dealing with the costs of doing this business. So we've cut out a lot of the costs. I mean, if you've seen the AG's report, uh, Auditor General's report last year, this past financial year, there is an improvement in terms of the costs. There is an improvement in terms of the losses that we had made because we focused. Because if you are bleeding and you have a, a, a client or a patient who's coming into ICU, and the, the, main, the major thing is that the person is hemorrhaging, you start by stopping that hemorrhage. So that was for us to plug that hole and make sure that we reduce costs as much as possible. So there have been no holy cows. We've gone through every element of the business and we're brutal about cost cutting. We're still continuing to do that. Mm. If you look at the employment costs, uh, as an example, we have 68% accounting for employment costs and this is a business that is not making money this is extremely unsustainable and and so we then know that even though you can cut costs until you know you get to the bone of the thing you will not, not be uh, prosperous necessarily so prosperity comes when you bring in new revenue lines uh, coming in with new revenue etc making sure that the business can thrive so those are the areas that we're looking into and we have been very fortunate that we put together a, an exciting strategy for the post office of tomorrow that we believe if we can have it implemented of course it needs funding it would actually take the post office to the next level the post office is in need of money. Um, quite encouraging that you talk about the cutting of costs because usually those would also have to be passed on to the consumers. But mm. at the same time, you do still need those cash flows. So how are you approaching pricing decisions right now with uh, the high inflationary environment that we have right now, but also taking into account the the track record over the last few years of not being able to fulfill the delivery targets yeah so it's a challenge i mean uh, even to our own employees the employees of the post office um contrary to popular belief they have not had any increases for the last three three and a half to four years now no increases whatsoever even though we've watched this economy actually becoming more difficult and people are not even able to get to work at some point because they're not earning enough etc so we are not blind to those challenges as, as as a company but we also are looking at the fact that firstly our allegiance is to the post office the company because the post office is a critical, critical, um, you know, resource for this country. And I really want us to kind of move away from thinking that the post office is only relevant to the rural areas. Yes, um, the urban area people do have other options, but interestingly, Litsima just did a study for the Department of Communications and Technologies. Um, it was actually requested by National Treasury, who says, what is a market study? Why are you saying we must keep on funding a post office? We don't even know what's happening. So they've done the study. They've just just, just uh, come out with it about a, a few weeks ago. Um, and the study is actually corroborates the fact that in terms of preference in this country, even businesses and consumers and uh, customers, they still prefer to use the post office. Only that we need to have uh, get our act uh, in order and make sure that we service them accordingly. What are the prospects looking like with the uh, Lumi separation from Postbank? 
prospects is one thing. So into the future, prospects of the post office are really good. I mean, if you look at what we are looking at internally, what opportunities are there, what do we need to do, etc. I'll come to the post bank, um, you know, question just now. Mm. Uh, so our strategy focuses on uh, making sure that the logistics arm of the post office becomes the arm, logistics and warehousing. We don't have to go buy anything. We've already got those in-house. So we have this, um, um, you know, there's the e-commerce uh, space that we want to play very, very uh, big in. We already have in a number of international clients in the e-commerce space. So we've kind of tested uh, how our systems work, etc. So that for us is, is the future of the post office. But also we're looking at a different post office to what it used to be in the past, because I mean, times are changing. And therefore you do not require the same post office that you used to have so many years ago. The other um, critique that I have of the model, of the business model of the post office is that it was um, implemented as, as if it's a one size fits all. So it didn't matter whether you were in the rural areas, you were given the same or similar. And yet that's not what you want. You need to customize, you need to make sure that you uh, respond to the needs of your customer. And that's the kind of post office we are building going forward. It may be smaller in size, but it's going to be big in terms of uh, revenues and what we do and the impact both in the communities and also in business. Mm. And then after Postbank. Mm. Yes, on the Postbank. So remember that the Postbank was a division of the SA Post Office. So it was born in the Post Office. It was nurtured there. It grew. It, you know, it, it, whatever it has currently is on the back of the post office. So when the, um, the, the separation was done, we don't question necessarily the separation. Other people have different views about it and that it, it could have actually been uh, better. We've looked at other countries who still have the post bank as part of the post office and we see how they thrive. But that's, that was a political decision. So we're not questioning that part. But what did happen is it actually had a negative impact on our balance sheet and also on our assets, etc. And also remembering that when it left, it took the reserves with it. So some of us are asking, whose reserves were those anyway? If you were born here, etc., shouldn't there have been some kind of compensation uh, to the post office for the separation of the post bank? So those are uh, questions that we are still putting on the table for government to consider. Yeah, uh, lots uh, to still think about there, but thank you very much. We have run out of time, and Omkita, of course, one of those really being uh, the uh, participation of the private sector into um, the post office. But, of course, this will be a conversation that uh, we will keep on unpacking. Thank you very much for your time. Omkita Mona is the CEO of the SA Post Office.